Welcome to episode number 77 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we will look back at the weekend that was from the Indianapolis Road Course. Also look ahead to this weekend's race at Michigan. Plus, we'll have our news and notes as well as our Ask David segment coming up at the end of today's show. As David Starr will join us in just one second. You can see him right here on your screen right now. In the meantime, though, let's tell you about our presenting sponsor, Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year, and David's 08 Ford Mustang. We want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Catholic World Truck Race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit TicketSmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's TicketSmarter.com. David Starr joins us right now. David, how are we feeling? Man, I'm feeling good. Uh, looking forward to getting to Michigan, back, getting back in the seat, getting back in my 08 Ford Mustang. But, man, what an exciting weekend in Indianapolis. It was crazy. Yeah, Tyler Reddick getting it done on the cup side, his second win of the year. And, David, uh, I would say that RCR, after what they've gone through the last couple of weeks, a win, find out that Tyler Reddick's leaving, and now they get back in victory lane. It has been a very interesting few weeks for that team. Man, a lot of highs and lows. <laughs> but, you know, Dominic could tell you, and, you know, we all agree, that winning fixes a lot of things. And uh, I thought I saw a comment from Tyler Reddick said that him and Richard hadn't spoken a lot since that announcement and uh, looked like they, they were – they were in. Uh, they were speaking and, and hugging and in and, and, uh, celebrating, uh, just like old times back in Victory Lane. So hopefully, uh, you know, they can just focus on trying to win a championship uh, and uh, put all that, you know, with the future. They kind of put that on hold and just focus on what they got going on for 2022. Dominic Alarcon from the RacingExperts.com joins us as well. Dom, a second win for Tyler Reddick. You know what's funny is. I can't count how many times I heard whether it was you or David say that once Tyler Reddick gets that first win, the second one's going to come so much easier. I knew the second win was coming, but that happened fast. That happened pretty quick. He's a multi-winner in the Cup Series. Him, Ross Chastain, two guys that picked up their first wins this year, and they've won multiple times. I don't think they're done. I, I think we could see Tyler Reddick back in victory lane again this year. I think we can see the same with Ross Chastain. But – yeah, 14 winners now, 22 races. David, if we're going to see 16 winners, we got to see Blaney and Truex pick up one here pretty quick, though. Or Harvick, man. Harvick. Or Harvick. Man, he's had some bad luck. And, uh, you know, we got some really heavy hitters that, that aren't in that victory column for 2022 that really need a win bad. And, uh, you know, just can't believe that those guys haven't won a race yet. So it is possible that we could see 16 different winners. Um, but, uh, I, man, I think we got to really say that uh, uh, that Richard Childress Racing uh, is going to be a championship contender team in 2022. I mean, what uh, – what, uh, uh, what's his name? Tyler Reddick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry, what, blank. What Tyler has done uh, – Great name, by the way. No, yeah. great name. But what Tyler Reddick <laughs> has done – for RCR racing is amazing, and uh, they've been consistent, strong, and we knew Tyler Reddick and Dominic. We talked about it a lot on this podcast that uh, 
you know, eventually when uh, when after he got his first wins that they were they were more would come. Uh, it seemed like he was so close so many times and finally got that first win. And now he kind of got the monkey off his back. And I think we'll see another win uh, before the end of the season with Tyler Reddick. And and he is a, you got to you kind of got to say that, you know, uh, he's one of the I mean, one of my choices to win the championship, really. Yeah, and, you know, one, one thing I would point to, Dom, if in years past when somebody in Tyler Reddick's situation, if they won their first two races and they were both on road courses, we'd say, oh, they must be some road course ringer of some sorts. Not the case with Tyler Reddick. He runs great everywhere. I think it just happens to be a coincidence that the two wins were on road courses. I mean, he'll win on ovals. He'll win on short tracks. Those will come eventually, too. This is not – just a one-off thing. He's not just competitive at road courses. We'll see him in victory lane and some of those other types of tracks as well. I think you're right. He was a lap short away from winning at Bristol. He's run very well at Homestead Miami over the last few years. Those wins are definitely coming. But, yeah, to your point about a road course ringer, I would even be willing to say, guys, Tyler Reddick and Chase Elliott might be your best two guys on the circuit right now when it comes to road course racing. Chase Elliott, as we know, probably the most active driver right now with the best record on the road courses, runs up front all the time. But Tyler Reddick's just right there, too. I mean, Reddick beat Chase Elliott for his first win there a few weeks ago at Road America. Tyler Reddick and Chase Elliott are the guys to beat right now when it comes to road course racing. Well, I think I think you've got to, you know, I, I, we lift out somebody. A.J. Allmendinger won the Xfinity race, and then he backed it up the next day. I didn't, I didn't watch the cup race. i got to be honest with you. I haven't watched it. Uh, my DVR did not record it, and that was disappointing. But damn DVR, man. Uh, but uh, man, I really heard that AJ Amadinger he had a shot at winning that deal to to have a sweet of the weekend at Indianapolis. And uh, and I don't like I said I don't remember what happened, but I think maybe he got taken out or got hit by somebody else. And they said he was really uh, – that his cool suit uh, had, hadn't worked inside his race car all day long, and he was uh, he was really hurting really bad and, and uh, to the point where maybe it was dangerous. But they said with two laps to go overtime, he was the guy that was going to win the race, and, and I don't know what happened. You might guys might elaborate and tell us what, what happened to him. Yeah, I think he was dehydrated. He didn't get the best hydration. He did say on the radio, I want to say with a few laps to go, he was going to need some ice packs. He was going to need some help. And I do remember seeing post-race that the NBC Sports cameras picked him up, struggling to get out of the car, and he was leaning up against the pit wall. So he, I believe Tyler was taken to the infield care center, and he was treated and released. Yeah, and uh, that's, that's good to see uh, that he was okay. But, yeah, A.J. Allmendinger, you can't talk road courses without mentioning A.J., and he wins at the cup level, too, uh, at road courses, doing getting it done last year in the Indy road course race for college racing, delivering them their first win. So with that said, uh, with this past weekend in Indianapolis in the books, just one more quick thought on Indy, and then we'll kind of move on uh, to everything else here, look at the playoff picture in just a second. Um, the racing all weekend long, the cup and Indy doubleheader, uh, Xfinity out there, of course, Exciting, uh, great racing to see everybody all at one place. I think we all enjoyed that. But even even with that said, there, there's still something I think missing, Dom, about not running that oval and having the traditional Brickyard 400. Even when they kiss the bricks and everything like that, 
we talked about last week, and I think we can feel the same here again. Second trip to the Brickyard, but not not running the Oval still just feels a little off of some sorts. I don't know what the compromise is. If we go back to running the Oval in the future, or if we do the Oval and the road course, whatever it may be. I mean, guys missed running the Oval so much that we saw guys actually drive onto the Oval instead of the road course track. <laughs> Absolutely. I think Denny Hamlin said it best a few weeks ago when he had his press conference at Pocono after he was the initial winner of the Pocono race. Somebody did ask him about running at Indianapolis the following week. And he said he felt like one of the crown jewel events was stripped away from the Cup Series. We're not running the Oval. He said he wished we were running the Oval and wanted to see how the cars would run with this current package and the new next-gen vehicle. But yeah, I think Hamlin's comments, at least to me, they resonated. Yeah, the Indianapolis track has been on the circuit since 1994. There had been talk since the 1980s about getting NASCAR on the Oval. I remember Jeff Bodine saying, that they had so many tests, 92, 93, even Richard Petty, David, came out of retirement in 93 to wheel the 43 car around that famous track. So that track definitely has an illustrious history. And I think you're right, Tyler, we're missing the fact that we're not seeing these guys running the oval for the second straight year. There's a lot of prestige with that track. And and yeah, sure, the, the road course is very special too. I believe F1's even run the road course as well, but there's just something about the actual oval, and we haven't seen it the last two years. I hope it is added back to the schedule at some point. What say you, David? Uh, you want to see the, the oval come back, or you like this road course? Well, since I don't run the road courses, I'd love to see the oval come back. I mean, it's at the, just listening to y'all talk, you know, there's so much prestige with the with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, racing on the two-point-mile two oval. You know what I mean? It's just uh, so much history there, and kind of agree with uh, Denny Hamlin and, and I think I saw something Kevin Harvick some kind of tweet or something he put out I think yesterday or uh, about the the racing on the oval but man I uh, I love racing there on the oval I don't know from a, a spectator's point of view if it's the best race or the best viewing race uh, but man uh, I don't know I I, uh, I heard and, and I asked the question to you guys uh, uh, people were telling me that there wasn't a lot of people there. You know what I mean? And over the years, the Brickyard 400, to me, was one of those crown jewel races. Everybody wanted to win the Daytona 500, the Southern 500, the Brickyard 400. And, man, I've seen that place pack, 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 you know, uh, sold out. And, uh, you know, obviously over the last seven, eight years, there was decline in, in the audience. And, uh but uh, somebody I heard, and I heard people talking about it, said, man, you, it was amazing that there wasn't that many people there. And I, I wanted to know if y'all heard the same same thing. Yeah, and, and that was, I think, one of the big reasons why we stopped running the Oval was attendance had dropped off so much. And, you know, there's, what, 400,000 seats at that vicinity because they nearly sell out for the Indy 500 that it, it just looked so odd to be running that Oval with so many empty seats. But – uh, if it's still an issue even with the road course, then maybe that shouldn't be a factor then if you're going to go back and run the oval as far as I'm concerned. But um, I'll say this much, uh, where, where NASCAR probably can't be mad at themselves too much is the attendance wasn't any better for the IndyCar race. And that's still, you know, IndyCar's home track and IndyCar's town, you know, Speedway, Indiana. Um, I think that would be... The one silver lining here, Dom, is that 
Indy didn't necessarily see success either. The TV ratings, though, were incredible. They were up 18% from last year's race, the highest-rated NBC race since the regular season finale at Daytona last year. So TV numbers, way up. That's good. But attendance, not necessarily that great. You're right. And I think you kind of have to think about, too, and Tyler, you're a TV guy, so you could weigh in more on this. How much is it more made for TV, the product that we see on the racetrack? I mean, NBC does a great job. Fox Sports does a great job. They give you so much information from the comfort of your own house. They don't black out the race, as far as I know, in the local markets. So maybe fans are figuring, hey, I don't want to fight traffic. I don't want to be paying $12 for alcohol or 10 bucks for a hot dog. I can just make food in the comfort of my own home, and I can just turn off the TV when the race is over. I have to fight traffic. Yeah. Uh, the Indy 500, they have the blackout rule, but that doesn't apply to any other race uh, in Indianapolis. So, nonetheless, uh, very interesting. We'll see what they do going forward. Off to Michigan this week. David, let's first start off with you. You're back on track, had a weekend mm -hmm. off, but now you head to uh, Michigan, the fastest track on the entire circuit. Well, man, great racetrack. It reminds me of uh, one of my favorite racetracks growing up, Texas World Speedway in Bryan College Station, Texas. Uh, two miles, super speedway, fast, a lot of banking. That was Texas World Speedway, Michigan International Raceway. I don't even know what the what they call it, Michigan Speedway. You got it right. You're but, right. Yeah, uh, but Michigan's awesome. You know, not as much banking as Texas World had, but still, just a great racetrack. Fun to race on. Multiple grooves, fast drafting, good handling car. I mean, it's just a great racetrack. I love racing there over the years and look forward to getting back in my Ticket Smarter Ford Mustang and, and uh, having a great race. So uh, I think it's going to be a good race. I think Sunday's race is going to be phenomenal. Looking forward to that. Uh, the cup races have been so competitive and the Xfinity races. I just uh, look forward to a, a great another great weekend of racing at the Michigan International Speedway. Dom, I'm very curious how this uh, car is going to run at Michigan because the last track similar to this was Auto Club, and we saw a really good race, but a lot has happened since then. Uh, it's going to be a totally different atmosphere than that uh, the Auto Club race we saw uh, several months ago. Well, I think the thing you have to factor, too, is probably the temperatures are going to be a little hotter, so it might be a slicker racetrack. But if Auto Club and the Fontana race was any indication of how these guys are going to run – on Sunday, it's going to be a great race. There's seven, I believe, past winners who were part of the field. Kevin Harvick, David, your favorite, five-time winner at Michigan International Speedway. So I don't know. I don't know if that's the place for him to get it done this weekend and end that two-year losing drought. But if we're in for a treat like how we saw at Fontana, it's going to be a great race on Sunday. Uh, you can't go to Michigan without talking about the manufacturers. David, you drive for Ford. Obviously, a big race for them. Same with Chevrolet as well. But then even Toyota, uh, with what Toyota has done in America, in their American presence, which is great. Um, you know, you're not going to hear us say a bad word about Toyota. No. Toyota's been phenomenal for the sport. Um, and the U.S. auto industry, for that matter, too. The greater U.S. auto industry. Uh, but with that said, I know that this, this is big for Ford and Chevy, but this is big for Toyota, too. They would love to play spoiler admissions. Mm -hmm. Man, you know, it's bragging rights. You know, everybody wants to win Michigan because, uh, you know, GM's there. Uh, Ford is based there. And Toyota wants to come in and, and dominate because, you know, they're not based in Detroit. You know, uh, they're actually based in Texas. Their corporate office is uh, 
their, their American headquarters is in Plano, Texas. And uh, it's down the road from where we're at right now. Absolutely. So, you know, Toyota wants to come in there and, and still the thunder per se, you know what I mean? Uh, but it's always a big deal. You know, I, I remember hearing Brad, uh, Brad Kozlowski, you know, when he won the, the race and uh, it was a big deal for the manufacturers. So I think it's a little bit, a little bit more pressure on the teams to try to get the job done because it means so much to their, for their manufacturer. So uh, it's always a big deal, man. You're right. In, you're in motor city and uh, man, again, you know, all the, you know, all of them, but you know, Ford, Ford GM, they're right there. And, and man, People want bragging rights. They want they want their manufacturer to win right there in their in their hometown, home state. You know, so uh, it's gonna it kind of makes it a little bit more special. But uh, but it's gonna be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Dom uh, at uh, Michigan this weekend. Who are some of the uh, early uh, contenders uh, that, that come to mind for you? Who are going to be the guys to beat? Uh, with uh, we don't really have much to go off of, considering that this is the first time the next gen cars raced in Michigan. I think you got to look at guys that have run historically well there. I think maybe that's a good starting point. Kyle Larson picked up his first win there in 2016. He's a three time winner at Michigan. I look at Kevin Harvick, who's won there five times. The recent, I believe, is 2020. Other drivers, Kurt Busch, I believe, at the time of this podcast, he's cleared to race this weekend. He is a three time winner at Michigan. So, Denny Hamlin, two wins. The one that really, I don't know, I think we need to see him have a good race. We saw him run really well at Fontana. And if Michigan's similar, he has said this race would be as big as winning Daytona, I believe, because he's from that home state. He hadn't won a race yet this year. I think Brad Keselowski is a dark horse pick for this race weekend as well. Only three top tens on the year. But as a whole, RFK racing looks like they are getting a little bit better, but it'll be remaining to be seen this race weekend. Yeah, Chris Butcher uh, had a good run there at Indianapolis last week. And it, it seems like, Dom, when Brad Keselowski usually turns it on, it's in those summer months. We're down to a few races left before the playoff begins. If Brad Keselowski is going to get it going, it's either now or never, right? I mean, RFK uh, has probably been the most disappointing team in the sport this year. Yeah, and, and, and I, I've even wondered too, Dave, I mean, you look at the role that Keselowski has. I mean, even at the beginning of the year, I was telling people, I feel like Brad Keselowski gave us like a false sense of reality of how well that team was really going to run. They won their dual race. He picked up a ton of stage points. He was leading the Daytona 500 on the last lap and was the points leader after the 500. I guess for me, assuming that this new car was going to be a great equalizer, that we were going to see a lot of the six and the 17. But I think it's going to show that the organization is down as a whole. And I think Keselowski has a lot more on his plate. I mean, Chris Buescher just has to worry about driving the car and making the sponsors happy. Well, Brad Keselowski has to worry about all of that and all the extra meetings and all the administrative duties that would come with the team. I feel like that, I mean, I don't know, Dave, I feel like that's probably hurting his performance behind the wheel a little bit this year. Well, I mean, when we all learned that uh, Brad was going to, uh, you know, uh, step out of the uh, – Penske organization and and be part ownership with Ralph Fenway and, and uh, you know and and be a driver owner and I mean it was uh, you know it was kind of interesting to to step out of a, a Penske car and and that organization because that's championship I mean it, it's you know and to step into what he was going to be stepping into and then have ownership into it. Uh, you know, you knew the Rouse organization over the last four, five, six, seven years 
hasn't been what we seen them do and for and you know years ago uh so I, it was a big challenge you know and it was really a big question mark for me personally to see how it was going to work out and like you said um uh to open up the season and win one of the dual 125 uh you know they swept them right yeah they swept them they sure yeah did. i mean that was uh you're like wow you know and uh and then after that it was kind of disappointing and uh but I think you guys are right. I mean, it's uh, I think the organization and, and this new car and, you know, and Brad's got I mean, he's got to handle the business side of it. He's part owner. And, you know, there's a lot more at stake for him and a lot more responsibilities. Uh, and he knew that 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 there would be. And uh, so I don't know. I kind of agree with you, Dominic. I think uh, maybe some of that plays a part in and maybe part of why his performance hasn't been there. But, you know, you look at Chris Boucher, and, man, he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, he's not winning races, but he's, uh, you know, he's had, uh, you know, it's not every week, but, you know, uh, you know, more times than none, he's right there. You know what I mean? And uh, and then, uh, so, I don't know. I uh, hard to really put your finger on where the problems are, but uh, – I just hope from Brad's standpoint, because I know he's a competitor, he's a winner, he's a champion. I hope he gets that organization figured out and gets back to his winning ways, you know. And I got to say, I, I don't think the Ford the Ford Mustang has been, you know, as, as a manufacturer in 2022, they've had some wins uh, with Penske and, and – uh, but I don't know. It just seems like the Ford product in 2022, it, it hasn't been overly uh, impressive. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I look at the I Stuart, mean, what, Stuart Haas. I mean, they're – Joey Logano is their only driver with multiple wins, right? That's true. Yeah, he got Darlington and Gateway in June. And, and so it's like on paper, four wins this year for Ford. But, yeah, you can just tell Ford has been off this year in comparison yeah, to – Yeah, half, half from Joey Logano. And Joey hasn't run – great other than his wins either he's been kind of up and down in his own right uh, they got the Daytona 500 win with Austin Cendrick but yeah Ford has just not been great as a whole this year I mean um they've been disappointing on that end now with that said you know looking at this uh you know the, the situation uh of you mentioned RFK racing and kind of taking a step back of it got me thinking guys you know in this great equalizer of what we've called it with this era of NASCAR Cup racing, um, RFK, RCR, those are legacy organizations, right? They've won championships. They've been around a long time. And here's Trackhouse 2311. These guys have been here two years, and they're out running those teams. How, how does that happen? How does teams that have – years of advantage and info and all this and been doing this for such a long time and then somebody walks in the room and they're beating them like that I mean to me that's what blows my mind is how quickly uh those organizations have come along and are already beating some of these legacy teams David man I, I just think it goes back to people people you know skilled really really smart people uh you know engineering technology new new totally new next gen car uh but man i i'm kind of with you tyler i, I uh it's it's you just it's kind of uh 
you know, it, it, it's kind of confusing, you know, why? Like, how does that, how does that happen? You know, but it, it's happening right in front of our eyes, you know, and uh, you think that this next gen car, that it's the great equalizer that you would see route, you know, Rouse Fenway over the last five, six, seven years hadn't been that competitive. And you would have thought with this next gen race car that it would have pulled that organization to be, somewhat equal and more competitive and 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 it has a chris boucher and you know there's been some uh you know he some you know he's had great runs uh but anyway i still feel like that they're way off you know what i mean as an organization and uh it makes me think too like what is the value of those legacy teams anyway if some of these new teams can come in just right away and beat those guys like that well, you know, it, it all comes down to just having good engineers, great engineers, great uh, technology, uh, and, you know, all the support from the manufacturers you're involved in. You know, you think of Ralph Spinway, and, uh, uh, you know, you think of Ford, uh, but, man, it's, it's just puzzling to me. It's kind of confusing, you know, and uh, – and why is this happening? You know what I mean? And I, I don't really have an answer. I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. But it is uh, it is kind of interesting, you know, that that still, even with Brad Keselowski stepping over there uh, and, and Ralph Fenway giving Brad part ownership and him as a, a championship winner-driver uh, combination, it's just we hadn't really seen any sparks out of that organization, and I really, I'm surprised that we haven't. You know what I mean? Just because, right. you know, you would have thought they would close the gap a lot with this next-gen car, but they seem to kind of be where they've been the last six or seven years. Really. And I think it, it shows, too, David, that we're all, well, Ryan Newman had his issue with Daytona and was out of the car, came back, and a lot of people said he wasn't the same after that. But I think it's showing more that it's the equipment. That might be the issue of RFK. Well, you know, I can assure you, uh, and then we had Greg Biffle on, on, on here with us not too long ago and Ryan Newman. And, uh, you know, uh, knowing those guys and, and, and spending time with them over the years, you know, they were saying, man, you know, our cars, we can't get them to turn in the center. They're so freaking tight. They won't turn. Hadn't turned in years. And, and I remember Ryan Newman, uh, I forgot who came over there to race with him, but Ryan was excited to have another guy, another driver uh, that could put input and in, in help him and help the organization. Because Ryan's been telling, man, we got to do something to make these cars turn in the center of the corners. If they won't turn, it's like you don't have any horsepower. You know, if they rotate good, they turn in the center, you know, you got 100 more horsepower. And I think it was when uh, I, I want to say uh, who was it? It wasn't that long ago. Uh, Matt Kenseth or who, whoever it was. Right, Matt was before Harper, uh, before uh, Newman. Yeah, but but anyway, uh, you know, there uh, Ryan Newman can still you put him in a Hendrick or a track house or a very competitive car. I think we'd see Ryan Newman back in victory lane. I don't believe that Ryan Newman lost anything. I don't believe he was the issue. He was the problem. I mean, he just won an SRX race. Absolutely. You know? I think Ryan Newman is capable, still capable. Uh, I just think the equipment wasn't there. They couldn't give Ryan Newman what he needed. And and we've seen that over the years, no matter who's been there driving. You know what I mean? They're just not where they need to be and hadn't been in a long time. So let's look at the playoff picture. Let's start off with the race to get in the playoffs. 
And then in a moment, I want to bring up the top of the standing. So let's start out first, the race to get in. Four races to go in the regular season. Two spots available right now, 15th and 16th. Blaney at plus 121. Martin Truex at plus 96. That's, what, about two races, basically? But uh, that Truex has a lead over 17th, which is Kevin Harvick at 96 points back. Eric Almarola in 18th, 156 points back. Eric Jones in 19th, 175 back. Bubba Wallace, 20th, 213 back. Austin Dillon, 21st, 216 back. And there's others and so on. So at, at this point in time, Blaney and Truex look good on the points side. But just to be safe, because of this historic amount of winners here, Dom, I can't imagine those two are playing it safe over these next couple of weeks here. They're still going to go for wins and try to secure that playoff spot. Uh, you know, try to try to earn that, clinch that spot, get that win. Because uh, I mean, those points, uh, you never know. It only takes two winners, and they're bumped out. Oh, exactly. And you look at the next two tracks: Michigan, Richmond. Ryan Blaney's great at Michigan. Martin Truex has been great at Richmond the last few years. They could very well easily cap off wins over the next two weeks. We have our 16 winners, and Daytona's going to be crazy. But I want to ask you this, Dave, because I heard somebody ask Eric Almarola this at Pocono a couple weeks ago. Is it going to be more hectic for the field if there's 15 winners entering Daytona or 16 winners entering Daytona? What was his answer? <laughs> I don't remember what he said, so I don't want to misquote him on that. But I, uh, to me, I would think he would be more hectic with 15 winners because you know your 15 guys are getting in, but then anybody can go and bump the guy on points. Because if you have 16 winners, I would, I would guess the racing would probably not be as wild because you have your 16 guys, and even if you have a guy that's 28th in points and wins the race, they're probably not going to get in the playoffs. I think there's yeah. more chaos with 15 winners entering Daytona. Man, I just know, I mean, you look you look at Truex and uh, Blaney and Harvick. I mean, these guys are capable, man, and, and they only got one thing on their mind right now, and that's win. Uh, and I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't know, but uh, I don't know, but I just, in my mind, uh, and, and what I know about it, I would think that these guys are, are going going to the next four races trying to get to victory lane because they need to. You know what I mean? Uh, well, and then, you know, let, let's say for – if we're talking about the idea, if somehow we get 16 winners, which is possible, um, then the playoff picture totally opens up because there's how many guys with one win and the points there if – if it comes down to points based on winners for those final playoff spots, then it's anyone's guess. Then the playoff picture opens right back up again, Dom. Absolutely. I mean, it's anybody's guess. We always guess this is going to be the year that we see 16 winners. I mean, we talked about it a lot last year, but we're getting closer and closer to this. And there are very capable guys that have not won a race yet this year. And I know you pick him every week, David, but Kevin Harvick, I mean, this is a track I think he could really be a contender at with Michigan International Speedway. I mean, realistically, would anybody be shocked if Michael McDowell won at Daytona again? Not at all. Not at all. Not at, or Watkins Glen because of how well of a road course race. Or how, if Ricky Stenhouse South, wins at Daytona. Absolutely. Justin Haley can win at Daytona. Austin Dillon, Bubba. Um, Eric Jones is getting very close. Uh, you know, what if he got a race? I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities these next few weeks. I know, and I'm here for it. I want to see the chaos. It would be interesting to see if we have a winner get snubbed from the playoffs, but that's just me. 
So the top of the standings now. Um, Chase Elliott's kind of separated himself a bit. Four wins, more than double the next uh, driver, which is Ross Chastain, William Byron, Joey Logano, Tyler Reddick, and Denny Hamlin, all with two wins and between 14 and 12 playoff points. But Chase Elliott's got four wins and 25 playoff points. Dom, then you factor in, he's well on his way to being the regular season champion. Um, he is, Chase Elliott is going to have a really good cushion to begin the playoff if things hold as they are right now. Because of the bad two races that Ryan Blaney had at Pocono and Indianapolis, we had a much tighter race for the regular season championship. But, yeah, I think you're right. Chase Elliott, it's his regular championship to lose four wins, but the 25 playoff points that he has. So that would be double the playoff points he has now. Exactly. So, I mean, he's looking like Kevin Harvick did in 2020. Just don't mess it up, and it looks like you're going to be able to advance through each of the rounds with how many points and the advantages that you have over everybody. But – yeah, Chase Elliott looks like he's the class of the field, and, and he didn't finish top two this past weekend at Indianapolis. But overall, we're looking at a guy that it's his championship to lose right now. Yeah. Uh, David, uh, Chase, uh, he's got to be the favorite, right? Oh, no doubt about it, man. He's he's uh, he's definitely the favorite right now. I mean, he's uh, they they just been so strong here. You know, we are, who's, who's going to be our breakout? organization driver team and i think it's chase elliott no doubt about it you know and uh uh you know they've been consistent um strong winning races and and none of us are surprised hindered organization you know we we uh you know and it's not it's not surprised that it's chase elliott with hendrix and uh i think he's uh i think it's going to be his to lose yeah, I think so. Uh, let me ask you about the uh, Xfinity playoff standings here real quick, guys, on that front. Ty Gibbs, uh, with four wins, leads the series. Um, and he and Noah Gregson are tied in playoff points at 23. Gregson, Allgaier, and Allmendinger all with three wins now. Josh Berry with two wins. Austin Hill with two wins. Brandon Jones with the win as well. And uh, we see at the playoff standings as they may – Sam Mayer looks like he's going to be in good shape to get in on points as well as Riley Herbst and uh, Daniel Hemrick, the defending champion. Landon Castle at plus 56, Ryan Sieg at plus 50. And I'd like to drop off to Sheldon Creed and Anthony Alfredo and Brandon Brown from that point going forward. Uh, with that said, though, uh, I mean, I think Dom looking at the Xfinity playoff picture – you know, the, the elite have separated themselves. Ty Gibbs, Gregson, Allgaier, Almondinger, Josh Berry, um, those guys are the ones to beat for the championship. But when it comes to those final playoff spots, same thing kind of like we talked about the cup side. Brett Moffitt, Jeb Burton, Alfredo, I mean, Mike Snyder, any of these guys could pick up a win in these next couple of weeks. Well, and the one, too, I think that, I'm sure he'll find a home somewhere, but the time of this podcast dropped, and Brett Moffitt is out of a ride with his Our Motorsports team and him splitting ways after the Indianapolis race. And and we know Brett Moffitt's one heck of a talent behind the wheel. He's wheeled cup cars, Xfinity cars. He won a truck championship. So I look at him, and he'll land back on his feet somewhere. But, yeah, any of these guys could pull off a victory. I mean, we've seen Ryan C. go out and lead laps at intermediate tracks and run really well with power under the hood. Landon Castle really did well at New Hampshire before the win got taken away or the top five got taken away. But 
a lot of these guys, there's, there's a lot of parity in the Xfinity Series, not as much as the Cup Series. Uh, you're right, Tyler. We have our top four or five guys that have definitely separated themselves from the rest of the field. David, uh, you race in this series. Uh, you see the talent firsthand. This has been an exciting Xfinity Series season, and the guys up top, it's going to be pretty uh, fun to watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, it's going to be fun to watch these guys once they do uh, start the playoffs to see, you know, as, as the process elimination starts. It's, it's going to be interesting because, man, like you guys said, there's some heavy hitters up there and uh, great organizations with J.R. Uh, Dell Jr. Motorsports. Uh, I think they have four or five cars. I think all, all four of them are going to be in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it's going to be interesting to see how I think on the Xfinity side, like JR, JR Motorsports, uh, it'd be interesting to see how the teammates race each other because, uh, man, they're all fighting for a championship. But uh, but anyway, it's exciting. And, uh, man, like I said, uh like to see Ryan Sieg and, or maybe even, uh, you know, some of the guys that you don't you normally see winning races or being in the playoffs uh, have an opportunity to, 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 to be a part of the – of the playoffs. I mean, it'd be kind of cool to see a uh, kind of a uh, dark horse guy type or a team get up there and challenge for a championship. But I think when it comes down to it, it's going to be one of the powerhouse teams, top powerhouse organizations that gets it done. I think we're also due for Josh Berry to get some more wins this year. To me, he's the, the sleeper in all this. I, I think Josh Berry might be the best challenger to Ty Gibbs for that championship. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very high on what he can do, what he can, what he's capable of on that front. Of the and I think Josh Berry, you know, he, he's, uh, he wants to win a championship bad. You know, he's, we've, we've, we've heard a lot from him here lately. He wants to go cup racing, you know what I mean? And uh, I think the best chance for him to win a championship on the Xfinity side that he would get opportunities on the cup side. So. And those guys right now are auditioning for cup. Runs. No, no doubt about it. So it's going to make it exciting. It's going to make it, you know, like it always is. And, uh, and it's going to be fun to watch it all play out in front of us. Yeah, it will be. Uh, we'll get to our news and notes segment in just one moment. Before we do, today's show is presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter is the official ticket resale marketplace of Worldwide Technology Raceway, where David won in 2004. Fans can also get tickets to any type of event, including sports, concerts, and theater productions. Ticket Smarter is committing to helping those in need by donating $1 from every transaction to various charity organizations, head over to Ticketsmarter.com to find tickets for upcoming events. That's Ticketsmarter.com. Dominic, a uh, lot going on on the uh, news and notes front. Get us started. Austin Hill will be making his NASCAR Cup Series debut this weekend at Michigan International Speedway. Richard Childress Racing announced earlier this week their Xfinity full-time guy, 21 car, will be making his debut in the number 33 car at Michigan International Speedway. So. Car is going to feature primary sponsorship from Bennett Transportation and Logistics. It's going to be Hill's first start in NASCAR's Elite Series. Been running the Truck Series and Xfinity Series over the years. At 28 years old, he's making his first start race, his first Cup race at 28. And Tyler, I'm 28, so that makes me wonder what am I doing with my life? <laughs> right. Uh, credit to Austin Hill. This guy's been a grinder. You know, I mean, I don't think anybody expected much of him coming from the Truck Series. Uh, I believe. Uh, a few years back, I remember when he won at Daytona, and it was kind of out of left field. No one hardly knew who he was. And then he just ran consistent, started winning races in the Truck Series. Now he's run fairly well in the Xfinity this year. And we know that A-car is opening up. David, 
this is maybe we talked about auditions earlier. Here you are, a chance in the Cup Series to see what you got. RCR mm -hmm. giving a chance to Austin Hill here. Yeah, and the Childers really likes Austin Hill. He, uh, I think a comment he made was uh, he likes his, his driving style and reminds him a lot of Dell Sr. And uh, so they're really high on the kid. And, uh, man, congratulations to him. I'm excited for him to get the opportunity to, to run his first Cup race with an organization that's strong. Uh, I, I'm excited to see how he does. And, uh, you know, I, I think possibly we could see Austin Hill stepping into the A-car, you know, next uh, in 2024. And uh, I think it's a great fit. And uh, I'm excited for the team. And, I mean, who else would they get? I think Austin's done a great job in the Xfinity side. I think he's got a – how many wins he has, Dom? Two wins this year? One. One win. One win this year, yep. Yeah, been strong, uh, strong contender. Uh, week in and week out. I, I don't know. I think it's a, a perfect match, and, and I'm, I'm excited for him to have the opportunity. So uh, we'll be tuning in, watching him, see how he does. Dom, uh, Austin Hill, what do you think of him and his potential as a uh, driver in the Cup Series? I think I kind of share that same thought that a lot of people had. He replaced Brett Moffitt in the Truck Series a few years ago at Hattori Enterprise, and I thought, wow, that's kind of a, a shocker move. But he won Daytona, went on to win more races. And he's proven time and time again he's a really good racer. And, and from my vantage point as merely a spectator, it seems like he's a clean competitor. He doesn't really ruffle feathers, but he's aggressive when he needs to be. I'm very curious to see how he's going to run this weekend. And, and, guys, I wouldn't be surprised, barring a mechanical failure or a crash or anything, we'll be talking about an Austin Hill top 20 on next week's show. You think it's going to happen, David? Top yeah, 20, is that realistic? Man. I don't know. He's a very talented race car driver. And, uh, man, everything he's been driven in a truck series, Xfinity series, he's won. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a doable deal. I think it's even better than top 20. Might be a top 15. But, uh, you know, Triller, excuse me, Triller's just coming off a, a win in the eight car. And uh, it is a children's prepared car. Uh, you know, whatever they're giving uh, Tyler Reddick, if they can put the same thing underneath Austin Hill, I mean, there's no telling what's going to happen. So uh, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's exciting. And uh, man, I'm going to be tuned in watching. I think he's going to, I think it, I think it's going to be good and, and he could possibly have a top 20 finish. Yeah. No doubt about it. We'll see. Dom, uh, what else going on? So in an interview with the Tennessean, could we see Jimmy Johnson back in the NASCAR cup series? Jimmy Johnson made some comments earlier this week to the Tennessee, a newspaper out there in Tennessee. At 46 years old, he is still looking potentially to go cup racing. He wouldn't entertain a full-time deal, but if an opportunity came around, he's not opposed. Guys, we were talking about it. Maybe I was having this conversation with you, Tyler, a few weeks ago. I don't know if we maybe had the same agreement that Jimmy Johnson's not done in the cup series. I still felt, even before this interview, that he'd be coming back someday, maybe run a Daytona 500 run the Coke 600, maybe do the double, who knows. But I don't know. I think the last of Jimmy Johnson has not been seen in the Cup Series. Well, here, here's one way to think about this, too. So, you know, there's 36 charters and, what, probably about 31 or 32 of them have full-time drivers um, that run every race. And so that means that every week there's about eight cars, potentially. There could be up to eight cars of open drivers. You know, part-time guys. Um, so just numbers-wise, if Jimmy Johnson wants to run part-time, 
he can do so. If he makes up his mind, you know what, I want to run Daytona or I want to run Gateway, just running and naming a random track out there. He can show up at any race he wants to, and there's a seat for him there. Mm -hmm. um, the opportunities, though, that's where things get a little tricky. Uh, Hendrick can't offer more than four cars, so he can't race for his former team. Junior Motorsports could, but they don't have a charter. Um, we know the track house is going to introduce a part-time car, the 91 project, I believe is what it's called. And track house has said, uh, just Mark Strab said, if Jimmy Johnson wants to run this car, we will gladly put him in a car. No question about it. Um, to me, Dom, that might be the best opportunity for Jimmy is, uh, is, is pairing up with Justin Marks. They had that partnership with, with Hendrick, uh, already, uh, Chevy team, uh, to me, that that's where I could see something being fit. There is uh, maybe maybe that uh, track house team might be his best fit, and pick and choose the races he wants. Uh, if he, I, I would think if he came to Justin Marks and said, "Here's the races I want to do," Justin says, "Okay, we'll make it happen." I think you're right. I think that makes the most sense. That Hendrick Technical Alliance having Chevrolet still be a part of the Chevy family in NASCAR, it'd make the most sense to me. And if there wasn't the rule of having the limit of four cars you know Rick Hendrick would gladly take him back, but it's just it, there's no option on the table for that. And I don't see him replacing Alex Bowman back in the 48 car. No, no, not at all. Uh, David, uh, you think we'll see Jimmy Johnson in a cup car next year? I think we will. I don't think we've seen the last of Jimmy Johnson. You know, I think he wanted to go try, you know, he wanted to, he needed some, he needed a change. And man, did he get a change. And uh, now that he's got his IndyCar fix, he's done a phenomenal job. Uh, I think there's some still unfinished business for Jimmy Johnson. He's still young enough if he wants to, to break a record. You know, there's only three, three drivers, Richard Petty, Dale, Dale Earnhardt, and Jimmy Johnson that have seven championships. And you put Jimmy in the right organization, obviously with the Alliance, with Trackhouse, and, and with Chevrolet and Hendricks, you know, that's a doable deal. And I think he's got unfinished business, and I think we'll I, – I think personally that we'll see Jimmy Johnson go for it one more full-time – you know, run full-time and try to win an eighth championship. I think we'll see that before before it's all over, all said and done for Jimmy Johnson. I don't know if it's going to be 2023, but I know it'll be here in the ne next couple of years, you know, and uh, I, I really – I really do, and and watching him race the Indy cars, he loves it, and he's getting that fixed, and that's what he wanted to do, and he's done it. And now we're hearing – I keep hearing more rumblings that Jimmy wants to come back to Cup, and I uh, – you know, there's unfinished business there, and I wouldn't be surprised if he runs, you know, 10, 12, whatever races next year, and I wouldn't surprise me at all if he went back full-time for, for one final season to try to get that eighth championship. Yeah, wouldn't that be something uh, if he does? And another part of the unfinished business aspect of it, Dominic, I feel like was that we didn't get to say goodbye to Jimmy Johnson. His final year was right during the midst of the pandemic, his final year full-time in cup racing. And so, so many fans didn't get to say goodbye to Jimmy Johnson. And we know that Hendrick's performance at the time he left was not great. They're not what they are now. You know, I don't know if he's necessarily going to come back to try to run for a championship, but I do see there being a possibility of Jimmy Johnson 
coming back to try to be competitive and try to give it one more goal of sorts to maybe get some of those big-time wins at the cup level and, and say goodbye to these fans that were so loyal and supported him over the years. You're right. The pandemic robbed him of being able to have a true farewell season like we got to see with Richard Petty or Jeff Gordon, some of these big guys. But, yeah, maybe we do get a reunion of some sorts before it's all said and done. I believe Michael Schumacher came back to F1 after winning, what, six, seven titles at F1, and he came back to run a couple seasons. Maybe we could see that with Jimmy Johnson. Michael Jordan came back and played a few more seasons after his run at the Bulls. Tom Brady came back. Tom Brady came <laughs> back. The goats do come back, and Jimmy Johnson is the modern-era goat of the Cup Series. So, yeah, he is. I got a question for you guys. What if he came back, won a race? Uh, if you don't race full-time, can you be part of the championship? I no. Mean, no, you can't. Okay. Um, what, what, what happened is – if he won a race, then all of a sudden cited that he wanted to try to make the playoff. He had to declare cup points then. And then from that point forward, it would have to go out and win another race to get in the playoff essentially at that point. So, yeah, um, we'll see. But Jimmy Johnson, the other thing, too, and we've heard kind of Kurt Busch talk about this, Kyle Larson, some of these others here, Dom. Um that want to do other things. And, you know, we've seen Jimmy, everybody knows about the IndyCar stuff. He's been running a decent amount of sports car races too. Um, I don't see him necessarily giving that up. That's why I don't think he's going back to full-time cup racing because it's not just the IndyCar. He's doing all sorts of stuff beyond just uh, IndyCar racing. He's being pretty busy. And, and one thing too, if Fox continues this rotating booth of driver analysts in 2023, I'd love to see Jimmy Johnson get in the Cup Series booth and give his insight. Like we we didn't think we'd see Matt Kenseth or Mark Martin in the Cup Series booth, and we got to see that. You see, that's a, I'm not concerned about him being on TV for one day, though. I, I want to see him drive a race car. You know, I mean, TV <laughs> we'll will always be there. Um, he can do that 20 years from now. And I, I don't need him in front of a TV right now. I need to see him driving a race car. You know, I mean, well, he's still got some good years ahead of him. Right, right. That's I, I, the TV thing is not going away. You know, those opportunities will always be there. Uh, as far as that goes. But speaking along those same lines, too, uh, let's bring up Kyle Busch while we're at it. Uh, Kyle Busch this week uh, talked about his situation and says that he is willing to take a pay cut from his $25 million salary uh, at Joe Gibbs Racing to stay with Joe Gibbs. He says he has talked to other teams. Also mentioned the possibility of doing a season similar to what uh, we saw from Kyle Larson a couple of years ago and maybe run the Indy 500, maybe run – uh, some sports cars, some sprint cars, uh, and then come back to the Cup Series next uh, a year after that. David, uh, wh what do you think of that? Do you believe Kyle Busch, or is this kind of a negotiating tactic of sorts? I think it's a negotiating tactic. I, uh, you can't, you, you know, you hear Car uh, Kevin Harvick, you hear other people talk about, you know, they signed Kyle Busch in a in a in a New York second. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, you don't want to break up Joe Gibbs Racing, Toyota, Kyle Busch. That formula is championship contender. Why would you break that up? Kyle Busch has said that he would take a pay cut. No doubt about it because he knows that the Joe Gibbs Racing organization and the backing from a great manufacturer, Toyota, I mean, that's it. Don't get any better, really, than that. And he, I can see that he don't want to step out of that. And I don't think 
Joe Gibbs wants him to step out of it. I think that's a that's a powerhouse nucleus that nobody wants to see come apart. Your competitors do because that would, you know, give them a little bit better shot at winning the championship. But, man, I I, I don't blame Kyle Busch for saying, hey, I'll take a pay cut because I, I want to win a championship. And, that, and that's an organization, a manufacturer, and one of all-time best race car drivers. Why would you break that up? Yeah, I mean, Dominic, I think about it this way. Like in football terms, we mentioned Tom Brady a few moments ago. Tom Brady took less money for a long time to win multiple Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. Could have made more money elsewhere, but wouldn't have had the talent around him. Put that in, in NASCAR, okay, Kyle Busch might be able to go to another team that could pay more money than Joe Gibbs can, but the grass isn't always greener. They got a good thing going there at Joe Gibbs. He'd be silly to leave that when his best, best opportunity to win a championship is right there in the N18 car. I'm glad you brought up that point with Tom Brady. He's, he's been known to do that across his career. I remember hearing that as a kid, thinking, wow, there's a guy that's a team player. He took pay cuts to keep guys on the same team. I think of Deion Branch with the New England days in the mid-2000s. I think Kyle Busch sees that here. He, he, he values winning more than anything. Yeah, I'm sure he loves his lofty salary, but let's be honest. Kyle Busch loves winning, and he hates to lose more than any of his NASCAR Cup Series competitors. So if you can keep the band together, keep it going, and especially if you know you have competitive years ahead of you, why would you want to throw that away? Money isn't always there. The, the only other team that's on their level is Hendrick. And there's not a seat there. I mean, uh, you know, they, they're not kicking anybody out. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I mean, his best opportunity is to stay right there where he's at. Uh, maybe part of the negotiating ploy, he gets – uh, the opportunity to run Indy. I know Joe Gibbs kind of shut that down a couple of years ago. Maybe that's what they do in exchange is find some other things for him that way, uh, you know, to, to keep him happy, to let him try some other stuff. But, yeah, I mean, Kyle, I think I, I would still be surprised if he's not back at Gibbs next year personally. But we'll see what happens there. We'll get to our Ask David segment in just one moment. Before we do, let's go racing with David Starch, presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard. As a primary sponsor this year on David's 08 Ford Mustang, we want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports. Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck race throughout the season. For the best deals on tickets, visit TicketSmarter.com to get your tickets today. That's TicketSmarter.com. Uh, time for Ask David. We ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook, Twitter, and by email. You can email us, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Star Podcast and on Facebook, facebook.com slash starpodcast. First question, David, in the inbox comes from Eddie. Eddie wants to know, David, how different is driving a race car compared to driving fast on the interstate? <laughs> oh, man, it's uh, – man, it's uh, – it's a lot different. You know, you don't have to <laughs> – you really? It's yeah, you don't have to worry about getting pulled over and somebody running into you, you running into them. I mean, that and that happens on the racetrack, don't get me wrong, but uh, but yeah, it's it's night and day difference, no doubt about it. Uh the car I'm driving on the racetrack is built for speeds uh 200 miles an hour, 190 miles an hour. Uh the pickup truck that I drive on the street. <laughs> 
I mean, if that thing goes 140, 150, I don't want to be driving in it. I don't want to be riding in it. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, yeah, so there's a nine-day difference, you know. And uh, a lot of people say, man, you're so calm. Uh, you know, you don't drive very fast. You know, I love to drive fast. I, I'm, I love to race. But I find myself when I'm back home in Texas and, and just kind of cruising around, headed to the race shop or headed to the Texas Motor Speedway or – wherever i'm going i'm pretty 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 chilled out relaxed you know if i'm running late tyler look out because i'm going to get there you know what i mean but uh but no there's uh there's no comparison man it's uh you know the uh you know had a, a friend of mine uh had a buddy of his uh just passed away it was killed in an automobile accident and uh the end of road's dangerous and uh you know, no matter for you, Tyler or Dominic or myself or anybody watching, uh, you know, as, as much as I want to drive fast on the highway, it's, uh, man, it's dangerous out there. You know what I mean? I, 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 I don't mind racing fast. I mean, that's what we do. But, man, the safety we have in our race cars and the personal protection equipment we have, the harnesses, the Hans device, I'm mean, just on and on and on. We hadn't, we hadn't lost a race car driver since the late, great Dale Earnhardt. You know right. what I mean? But man, Over 20 years. yeah, but man, our, you know, our, some of our pickup trucks and automobiles, you know, they're not, they're not really made for 160, 150, 170 miles an hour, you know, so big difference, big difference. So I'm pretty chilled out on the highway, but I would, that's a great question. And I'd tell you it's night and day difference. So along those same lines, here's what I wonder, David, uh, you get done with the race and you're taking the rental car to the airport, uh, for people who don't know, you know, after you, you know, change out of your fire suit and all that, I mean, you're driving yourself and you're getting right back in the car. Do you have to, like, flip a switch mentally? Like, oh, I'm not in a race car anymore. I'm back in the street car. Man, that was an issue years ago, you know. And I, I remember uh, Martinsville, Virginia, leaving Martinsville and, and, and driving back to Charlotte or Greensboro, North Carolina to catch a flight back to Texas. And I said, man, I had a great race. And, man, I get my rent car. And, and man, on Highway 220 headed south. Man, I'm flying. You know what I mean. <laughs> I look up my rearview mirrors, and what I see, blue and red lights. I'm like, oh my god! You know what I mean. So, uh, man, when they start hitting your wallet, like it hit me for years. I mean, I had an issue for years. I was like, man, I got to slow down. You know. How many and, tickets do you think you've got, Dave, over the years? Oh man, I, 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 I anybody that has a file cabinet, if you have your own file of traffic tickets, you know you got, you've had way too many tickets. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that, but. But, you know, nowadays, I mean, it, it's no big deal. Once I get done racing, I get my rent car. I know to chill out. It ain't no big deal anymore. But for years, it was a big deal and it was a problem because, man, when, once they, once somebody walked up to your window and signed here and, man, probation and hit your wallet, <laughs> it, it, it didn't take me long to realize, hey, I need to slow down. <laughs> I'm not a race car no more. <laughs> so they wanted you to sign it. It was not an autograph request. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want my autograph. They want me to sign that ticket. <laughs> did, did you try to tell them ever that you're a race car driver? <laughs> well, I mean, it's happened to a lot of us race car drivers. I've been pulled over uh, leaving a race, and I've been, just been pulled over uh, in Houston, where I'm from. And and the officer, once you give me a race, he said, hey, man, are you the NASCAR race car driver? I said, yes, sir. I am. He said, hey, let's keep it on the racetrack. I said, no, absolutely, sir. I, I'm, I'm sorry. 
I'll, I'll, I'll watch what I'm doing and, uh, and thank you very much. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've had it, uh, where, uh, you know, they recognize your name and, and, uh, they let me go, but, but most 90% of the time they're writing me a big fat ticket. <laughs> okay. A little confession time. Let's, yeah. let's go around the room here. We'll, we'll go to David last on this because I'm sure he's going to be higher than most of us. Uh, Dom, what is the fastest you've ever driven a uh, streetcar? Okay, I drove a buddy's F-150 on an unnamed interstate in Mexico. No, New Mexico. But I went 130, I think. I'm not proud of it. And I can say that because statutes of limitations has run out. That was nine years ago. Wow. Okay. You got me beat. I hope my mom isn't listening. Mom, you're watching right now. Turn it off. <laughs> Turn it off. You didn't hear this. Uh, my, my fastest, I, I, I've driven my current vehicle. Uh, I got to 110 uh, on, it was actually, I was on my way to Coda uh, for the race because I noticed everybody was just flying. I'm like, okay, well, they can't pull us all over. So I'll, I'll fly too. Let's see how fast I can get to it. And uh, once I reach about 110, I'm like, okay, okay, you know, I'll, I'll slow down now. I have a, a natural instinct in, of when I go to a racetrack to drive a little faster, too. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it, to me, I, I think you have to speed going to the racetrack. I think that's just a rule. You know, that, this is the way it is. Dave, what's the fastest you've ever driven a, a street? Well, man, our Texas highways, even if you're running 90 miles an hour, you're kind of sometimes you're in the way. <laughs> I'm like, man. I'm running 90 and they're flying by me. You know, they must be doing 110. You know, I'm not, I'm not proud of this, but I'm, I'm, I've been about 160 miles an hour, you know, on, 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 on the highway and uh, in a Corvette. And that's not something I'm proud of, but, uh, but, you know, that was a long, long time ago. And uh, yeah, looking back on it now, it's like, man, that wasn't very smart on my part, you know, have a tire come apart or a tire blow out or somebody pull in front. I mean, just there's nothing good that can come from that. But uh, but uh, I'm confessing my my sins here to everybody at <laughs> 160 miles an hour, which I'm not proud of. <laughs> you know, uh, Dominic, uh, I bet David's told you this at some point, too. Uh, every once in a while, I'll give David a ride to the airport. Usually I've had to do that before, too. Yeah. <laughs> Usually he's running a little bit behind. That's okay. Uh, but we'll get in the car and David will tell me, Tyler, you got to haul ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll get there. I'll get there quick. And as we're pulling in, David says to me usually about every time, Tyler, you hauling ass. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had that experience yet. I had to give him a ride back from the Phoenix March race in 2021. He, he hops in. He's, he's carrying a luggage. We're all going to go to dinner after the Xfinity race. And he's got his luggage, and the people we were going to go with couldn't go. So he comes to my car. He goes, you're giving me a ride to the airport. I said, okay, no problem. So we go eat Waffle House. We can take a ride to the airport. And and he gets out of the car, and he goes, come here, and get out of the car. And he gives me a big, I love you, man. Thank you for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we do. We're, we're, we're here to make sure David gets. Have uh, you ever had an Uber ride somewhere, and you're running behind, and it's your fault? And uh, it's like, man. Hey, I'm running a little bit behind. Can you get me to the airport? Just step on it. And, man, they're just a turtle. You know, it's like, oh. man, I'm like, God, this kills me. You know what I mean? But, uh, but anyway, it's my own dang fault for running for uh, being late. But uh, but anyway. Man. Um, got another question in the inbox. This one comes from Allie. It's spelled like ally, though. I wonder yeah, if – Yeah, that's it. She wrote it in, yeah. 
Yeah, I wonder if Ally sent it in. Uh, you know, if Alex <laughs> Bowman's really sending this question to us. Um, question for everybody: Have any of you been to the NASCAR Hall of Fame? And if so, what do you think of it? I have not, so I'll defer to you two. Uh, David, you've been right. Man, I love it. Uh, the Hall of Fame in downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. I love it. Uh, you know, it's just the display and so much information on you know, race car drivers and crew chiefs and teams over the years. I, to me, it's it's well put together. Uh, it's very informative, and uh, I love it. Uh, but also, like, you know, there's there's other, uh, there's other uh, museums. Uh, the one that comes to mind is the one at Talladega Speedway, Talladega. And I think it's pretty awesome, but it's not a Hall of Fame. It's a museum. But I, but I, but to answer your question, the Hall of Fame in Charlotte, North Carolina, to me is phenomenal. I love it. It's it, again, it's very informative, and I love the history of our sport. And uh, every time I go, I learn something new. You know what I mean? It's pretty cool, and uh, I love it that that our our sport has a Hall of Fame that's based in Charlotte, North Carolina where 99% of the teams are based. So I just think it's fitting. But uh, if you have a chance to go, I don't think you'd be disappointed. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I remember when they were talking about building the NASCAR Hall of Fame and Charlotte just had to be the place for it to be. And it seems like by all accounts, Dominic, Charlotte is uh, just the perfect location that it served as a great host for the Hall of Fame uh, over the years and what that's developed into. And, uh, you know, somebody within the media uh, that, that we know, Winston Kelly of MRN, he's the executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And, and Dom, Winston and company have done an incredible job uh, with that place over the years, what they've done to really tell the story of NASCAR. I would agree. And I don't know if you remember this, Tyler or David, but the mid-2000s when they were talking about, is it going to be in Daytona? Is it going to be in Charlotte? Fans could buy bricks. I remember that being a thing. And you can have your brick etched there at the entrance to the Hall of Fame. And it did open in 2009. And, Allie, to answer your question, I've been once. I had the, the privilege of going about six years ago with our crew for the Coke 600 weekend in 16. And we got to tour it on Monday. And very interactive, very interactive things in that museum. Multi-level, you have displays of cars from past to present. And they rotate things out. So if you were to go three months out, six months out, you're going to get something a little different every time, especially with those exhibits on the cars. But Tyler, there was even a little cool one where you could go and simulate a pit stop, like how to change a tire, how to put the tire lining up with the wheel studs, jack up a car, really cool interactive stuff for the fans. They had iRacing there. And I remember they had Pocono on the simulators because that was the next race upcoming. And I know he listens to the show and, and how fitting that question from Allie. I appreciate Christian Ronho getting me a mug from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And you guys have seen me sipping on this Jeff Bodine mug. Hopefully these two go together someday. Okay. Absolutely. And I think Winston Kelly was a perfect fit for the Hall of Fame because he's so passionate about our sport and, and, and a historian of NASCAR. I love it when I visit with uh, Winston because we talk about, you know, I pick his brain about, you know, the former superstars of our sport. And uh, he's just a perfect fit for the Hall of Fame, and, and he does a phenomenal job with it. And uh, and if you haven't been, uh, you need to go. I don't think it will. You, I don't think you'll be disappointed with it. Yeah, that's uh, that's phenomenal. I hope uh, you get yeah. the chance to go, Tyler. It's a really cool exhibit. It's going to be something unique every time if you're going every few months. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll definitely make my way up there for sure and check it out. Uh, it sounds phenomenal uh, to uh, see the least guys. We uh, got to go before we do though. 
Uh, let's go around the room real quick. Uh, Dom, what's uh, what's going on with you this week, bud? Yeah, I'll be here at home up in northern New Mexico. Be going to my next NASCAR race in a few weeks. We'll be covering remote with Jonathan Field, theracingexperts.com. I would say, too, on the podcast side of things, too, just kind of looking at the, the Twitter results coming in from what people were wanting, we put a poll out to you guys on what giveaway you wanted to see this week. So be on the lookout for this autographed Greg Biffle trading card. Wow. Greg's a big friend of the show, and he's been on. He was on episode 69, the most fitting episode for him. So just follow along on our Twitter page this week if you want to have your chance at winning this. And we're going to have more giveaways in the coming weeks. Just stay tuned for that. Awesome. Uh, look forward to that. Uh, David, uh, you're back on track this week at Michigan. Man, I'm excited. Uh, I'm doing a little deal for Connectus, one of our partners uh, this year, uh, doing that tomorrow for them. And then uh, uh, spend a little bit more time at the race shop there at the, at the racing school, Team Texas High Performance Driving School. And then uh, off to Michigan uh, Thursday afternoon. And, uh, man, I'm excited. Excited to get back in my ticket, my Brett Bear Ticket Smarter Ford Mustang. See, we can't get that thing back in the top. 15 back in maybe a top 10 finish uh, there in Michigan. And uh, it's going to be a great weekend of racing. I'm excited to get back, race, and I'm excited to watch the cup race on Sunday. It's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a very interesting, exciting weekend of racing. And and, and and we'll all go over it and talk about it next, the next podcast. Are you yeah. going to be the person there, David? Or are you going to watch the cup race from the track? Uh, I'm going to fly back and I'm going to watch it on TV. I'm going to watch it live on television. So I won't be there. I'll help him set the DVR this time. With me. <laughs> Good job, Tyler. Yes. Just, just looking out. Uh, the uh, Contrary to popular belief from uh, what David said last week, the Summer of Jones is not canceled. Um, although <laughs> it is a, uh, a home game this week. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be back here in Dallas just uh, enjoying things. Tyler, uh, I mean, Dominic, can you believe that? No, the Jones, the man, the Jones tour is taking a weekend off. I can't believe it. He's <laughs> making an excuse. It's got to be canceled. Home game. What kind of home game is that? Come on, Tyler. I will say the the finale for the summer of Jones is going to be capped off at Texas Motor Speedway Labor Day weekend. That is a great finale for it. But you're kind of slacking right now, Tyler. Hey, you know what? I, I had a crazy weekend uh, last week in Omaha and Tulsa, so uh, slowing things down this week, but. Nonetheless, uh, I got to rest up a bit because it's my last weekend off before football season begins. Uh, We got preseason games starting next week. So, So Dominic, when are you going to have your tour? Oh, the we're going to call it the fall of Dominic. We're calling it the fall of water going. Well, no, I feel like I've gotten to do that over the last few years. I'm looking forward to actually being home over the next few weekends. But I am looking forward to seeing you guys here in four weeks. We might even have to do a live show out there Labor Day weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we, we could do that. And uh, Dominic will be, what, like a three-time Summer Jones participant. So. <laughs> Something like that. I will have to ask you here on the record, too, Dave. I've been training for this. I know Texas is hot that time of the year when we get behind the wheel of the race car. What advice can you give Tyler and I? I know Tyler's been practicing swimming and building up that car. <laughs> <laughs> I've been running and trying to, you know, put layers up in this hundred degree heat here in New Mexico. What else could we be doing to make sure we're not getting our butts kicked in those race cars? Oh man, it's it's all about having a great time and expo- uh, enjoying the experience. You know, there's not much uh, advice I can give you. Uh, it's just uh, I think it's going to be one of the coolest things you've ever done. Uh, when you come and you sit through our little thirty five minute classroom time in the garages. Which is which is really a lot of fun, and, and uh, 
uh, very humorous at times. And then to get into vans, go around the racetrack, and then it's uh, then it's y'all's turn to, you know, do your ten laps. I'm I'm excited and can't wait for y'all to do that because I can't wait to see your your response and your faces and uh, to see your perspective. Your you know to get your perspective on on it. You know, a lot of a lot of men and women that come to the racing school, it's like man. I watch it on TV, been watching it for years, and I'm like, man, that's not hard. And and when they get out, I said, man, I have a new respect for race car drivers because, you know, I can't even remember what turn I was in. You know, it was just so much going on. And how can you do that for three or four hours with other race cars around you? But I'm just excited for y'all to come experience the uh, experience and uh, – and get the opportunity, and and uh, and, and it's be kind of cool to see get y'all's perspective, and uh, I'm excited for y'all. And uh, you guys at home can experience it too as well at TeamTexas.com. Check for dates and uh, times uh, that are available there. We got to go. We'll put the checkered flag out on this edition of Let's Go Race. We'll be back here next week as always. Subscribe to the show with new episodes out each and every Wednesday at Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit the like button on YouTube as well. We certainly would appreciate it. And as always, uh, you can find us on social media, Twitter, at Star Podcast, Facebook.com, slash David Star Podcast, and by email, David Star Podcast, email.com. For Dominic Aragon and David Starr, I'm Zavar Jones. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.